This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's happened again. Two amazing police officers gunned down in the line of duty. I am convinced that this anti-cop hate emanates from the left. They have been doing it for years. Black Lives Matter, the summer of George Floyd, they detest law enforcement. And it's coming through in so many ways. Now, these officers were responding to a 911 call. A few minutes later, uh, the SWAT team showed up. But it was too late, too late. They had already been gunned down. Apparently, it was a fake 911 call. A disturbance, a domestic disturbance was reported, but it was phony. And the man, allegedly this guy, opened fire, known to be an enthusiast for drugs and alcohol in the neighborhood. So, so far this year, we are 5% over cop fatalities from last year, which was a record year for cop fatalities. Where is this coming from? I do believe that the rhetoric from the left has sparked so much of this stuff. Now, you've seen it. I've seen it. Black Lives Matter that summer where law enforcement was demonized, delegitimized, and it was glorified by just about all aspects of our society. You could go right up to a cop and yell in his face, and it was considered a beautiful portrait in the New York Times, backed up by senior members of Congress. Who could forget Nancy Pelosi, Schumer, the rest of them kneeling, wearing something that they think is culturally appropriate, but it's not. And day in and day out, the drumbeat from the left on TV, the internet, everywhere you go, about how bad cops are. Police are supposed to protect and serve, but it's clear that they are protecting the beneficiaries of inherent racist policies. And of course, cities have to end the racist policing of black communities. That's where we all started. They're not about one bad cop or one good guy with a gun. or They're about systemic racism. If you have the perspective where the cops have protected you your whole life, that's not how they treat everybody. Racist sheriffs and police free to commit untold violence against anyone they please. That's pretty hateful stuff. If you're a police officer, does that make you feel good about your line of work, your chosen profession? If you haven't chosen a profession, are you more or less likely to choose policing? And it wasn't just those nut jobs on MSNBC, and it wasn't just Democrats. Mitt Romney, of all people, joined the fray. Yeah, Mitt Romney, of course, of course. Walking in a Black Lives Matter protest post-George Floyd. Look, it wasn't just Mitt Romney. It was the National Football League. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. Commissioner Goodell of the NFL makes about $30 million a year 
Oh, I bet it felt so good to say that. That's what's called a virtue signal. But he's lying about America, that there is systemic oppression of black people in America. No, there isn't. But thanks to you, thanks to the mainstream media, thanks to Hollywood, thanks to the New York Times, all of it, all of it, you all lied about us, so many lies, and now it's taken hold and we are screwed. Oh, the 1619 Project, that uh, the, the Revolutionary War was fought over slavery. It wasn't. That's called junk science. We are so warped as a society now that if you say blue lives matter, you know, support the police, you're accused of engaging in hate speech. Yes, how blue lives matter perpetuates police violence, huh? And on and on. No, you can't say that. You can't say blue lives matter. So many things you can't say because, everybody, remember... Words are so important, right? We've learned very clearly that words matter. Trump's words matter very much and have an impact on his followers. His language has consequences, and we saw what those consequences can be. Donald Trump's words have real consequences. It is becoming obvious that President Trump's words matter. Okay, what about the words on the left? What about your words? We'll hear them in a moment, but first, for the record, because January 6th, the hearings kind of wrapped up today, although they're promising a little bit more. What did he say on January 6th, the most important thing he said that they always admit? That everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Nothing wrong with that. But back to the left. What about their words mattering? Hmm? and all the horrible things they like to say about America. Racism in America is endemic. It is foundational. America has a long history of systemic racism. Terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. So this is poisonous and false. All of it. All of it. Keep saying it. What kind of impact will it have, say, on a drugged out, guy in the woods who's drinking like crazy, maybe it will trigger something. I keep hearing about people being triggered. Hmm? Take a look. I don't think you have any law enforcement. You can't even say the word law enforcement, because if you say those words, you're going to lose all of your radical left supporters. And why aren't you saying those words, Joe? Why don't you say the words law enforcement? Democrats that Absolutely run these cities ridiculous. don't want to talk like you about law and order. Violent and you crime. still haven't mentioned Violent Are you in favor of law and order? I'm in favor of law. You follow Are you in favor of law and order? Go yes, ahead. Yes, I'm you ask a question, let him finish. Law and order. Law and order. Let him Law and order with justice where people get treated fairly. He didn't want to say law and order. And then he said law and order with justice. That's code for all these crazy reforms that are taking place. Like the one that let the axe man here in New York, who went on a rampage, threatened people, trashed a McDonald's with his axe, let him out of jail within about 45 minutes to commit more crime and get sent back to jail for another 45 minutes, and now he's back on the street. That's the justice part, the social justice part. And that's what Joe was talking about. I actually don't think he has much respect for law enforcement. Why is a police officer showing up to the suicide threat, someone trying to jump off a building? We need more social workers there. 
More social workers there. Hey, Joe, what would social workers have done with the axe man in a life and death situation? Hmm? And if a guy is about to jump off a bridge, what do you think happens? They just show up, the cops, guns blazing. It doesn't work that way, Joe. So this toxic rhetoric, not only about law enforcement, but regular, ordinary people just living their lives, especially white women. The confrontation caught on video, a white woman blocking a black tenant from entering their apartment building, demanding proof that he lives there. Can you believe such a thing? A white woman saw a stranger in an apartment complex and dared to ask him if he lived there. Wow. You know, police are under enormous pressure and all these crummy problems are being thrown at them. And now we scrutinize every single thing they do with these body cameras, right? And they're out there. And sometimes, yes, sometimes they do great things and sometimes mistakes are made. I'd like to raise this question, and I think I should start asking the lawmakers who show up on the show. Is it necessary, is it in the public interest to release this body camera within hours of an incident? It just inflames the issue, doesn't it, sometimes? And I think we're making it harder and harder to be a police officer and harder and harder for cops to do their job. And what's the result? Scenes like this, okay? Absolutely no cops. Can you imagine two officers going into this situation? But a hardworking family had their business absolutely destroyed. I don't blame the cops for not going in with their body cameras running. Who knows what could happen to them? And who knows what will ultimately happen to us? Stay with us. When we come back, these two hysterical people on January 6th. They did not impress anyone. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, because of inflation, every American has taken almost a 10% pay cut. Uh, We have a president who is talking about nuclear Armageddon and uh, the very idea of what a man is and what a woman is, a boy, a girl, that's somehow controversial. And if you're not down with transgender, you're cancelable. So there are a lot of things going wrong right now in America. And I think there is going to be a, a huge pushback on Election Day next month, the midterms. In the meantime, the Democrats remain obsessed with January 6th. They had another hearing today, possibly the last. And uh, don't want to spend too much time on this, but some interesting moments, funny moments, actually. Look at these two windows and going in, uh, uh, obviously ransacking our offices and all the rest of that. That's nothing. The, uh, the concern we have about uh, personal harm, safety, personal safety is it just transcends everything. But the fact is, on any given day, they're breaking the law in many different ways. And quite frankly, much of it at the instigation of the president of the United States. And now... Uh, 
if, if he could could at least uh, somebody. Yeah, why don't you get the president to tell them to leave the Capitol, Mr. Attorney General, in your law enforcement responsibility? It's kind of hard to believe that these are two of the highest ranking people in all of the United States, the U.S. government, 300 million people. And these people are helping to run the show. Well, Nancy, now you know how the rest of us felt, okay? 290, 633 crazy riots. I was in the middle of three of them involuntarily. And he had one on January 6th. Put things in perspective, huh? All right, what else do we see today? Eugene, some guy named Eugene. Eugene Scalia, I'm sure he's a great guy, but his opinion is his opinion. That's it. We all sat and watched to see what Eugene had to say. And so I had to put a call into the president. I might have called on the 13th. We spoke, I believe, on the 14th, in which um, I conveyed to him that I uh, thought that it was time for him to acknowledge that uh, President Biden had uh, prevailed in the election. Thanks, Eugene. Eugene Scalia, the Secretary of Labor. What difference does it make? He has an opinion. He works at the Department of Labor, not the White House. He's surrounded by bureaucrats, deep staters. He goes home and he watches the fake news. It does not matter. All right. So we saw him today again, and we saw Liz today. I thought she had to pack up her stuff and go home, right? No, she's still there. And our Constitution we are obligated to seek answers directly from the man who set this all in motion. And every American is entitled to those answers so we can act now to protect our republic. So this afternoon, I am offering this resolution that the committee direct the chairman to issue a subpoena for relevant documents and testimony under oath from Donald John Trump in connection with the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. Wow, they're, they're issuing a subpoena. What is it? Three weeks before the midterm elections huh? to Donald John Trump. I really wish she'd go away. She did lose, by the way, by I think more than any member of Congress in the history of Congress, some 40 points. Last final word, hopefully, on this January 6th stuff. And here it goes. Justice for Ashley. That's what we want. And by the way, we just want to go through this real quick because every letter stands for something. Yes, look at the justice, okay? J stands for jail. And that horrible facility they made all those people stay in, many of whom did not break anything or hurt anybody. The U is for un-American, un-American, this whole damn thing. No cross-examination. We have an adversarial system. That's the way it's supposed to work. No cross-examination. It was a farce, a total farce. Also, the S, it stands for staged. It was staged, and they even had a stage manager, some TV executive named James Goldston. He used to run the Good Morning America show and a bunch of stuff over at ABC, he was the guy who had the big idea to get a teleprompter. The T is for teleprompter. Yes, a great big giant machine that uh, scrolls the words so they can seem smarter than they are. The whole thing was illegitimate. The I is for illegitimate. Why? Well, because Nancy, I believe, illegally vetoed uh, two members that uh, Leader McCarthy wanted on that panel. 
Uh, those guys, very smart, very tough. They would have been fantastic. Also, another ridiculous aspect of all of this, the crying cops. Did you see that somehow that, I don't know, fighting a riot was beneath them? Because of the, all the chemical that I, my uniform had it on. Sorry. I was carried back inside. What happened afterwards is much less vivid. One of the invaders approached me like he was going to try to get past me and head down the stairs. I was stunned by what I saw. Where do they find these guys? I mean, really, it's, uh, it was expensive. They spent millions and millions of dollars on this nonsense. And what about the fake witnesses? Oh, yeah, people who heard somebody say something. Take a look. I looked at Tony, and he had said, did you effing hear what happened in the Beast? Tony proceeded to tell me. I recall Tony and I having a conversation. I had another conversation with Tony. I remember Tony mentioning knives, guns. Tony would oversee all of that. Wow, Tony. Who's Tony? Why don't you talk to Tony instead of all these other people, right? Okay, my opinion. Also, overtly political. Again, this thing happened, what, a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, and now they've spaced it out. The last hearing takes place three and a half weeks before the midterm election. Give us all a break. It was incredibly repetitive, okay? Everything we saw today, we heard like six, seven, eight times. It was the same stuff time and time again. The whole thing had an authoritarian vibe to it. I mean, really, this is something that Joseph Stalin would have been happy with. He arranged things like this. It's called a show trial. And also incredibly selective with uh, the witnesses and with the footage they released, okay? And they handpicked some strange people who did not have firsthand knowledge of anything. Take a look. The second witness is retired Sergeant Mark Robinson of the DC Police Department who was assigned to the president's motorcade that day. He sat in the lead vehicle with a Secret Service agent responsible for the motorcade, also called the TS agent. Here's how Sergeant Robinson remembered the exchange. Was there any description of what, of what was occurring in the car? No, only that, on, the only description I received was that the president was upset and that was adamant about going to the Capitol, and there was a, a heated discussion about that. Hmm. He was in the lead vehicle, so that's like about 80 vehicles away in a presidential motorcade, and he hears something. Why didn't they talk to anybody in the president's limousine? Because they didn't want to, because they would have told the truth. I'm not saying this guy's lying, but he was 80 cars away, and he heard something from somebody else. It makes absolutely no sense. Also, the hyperbole. So much of this stuff was over the top. Take a look at this guy. Donald Trump and his allies and supporters are a clear and present danger 
to American democracy. That means us. We are a clear and present danger. That's a dangerous thing to say, actually, because clear and present danger, if you look it up, means that they can suspend the law to remove the danger. And I think some of them want to do that, and they may be doing that already. All right, wrapping up. The L stands for letting people inside, and they let people inside. That little cop let people inside. You didn't see this during the hearings. Why is that cop aggressively waving people onto Capitol Hill? And what about those two, those officers who just stood there as people walked in? Hi, welcome to the Capitol. Yeah, okay, no problem. Right this way. And how about these guys? They just walk away, take a coffee break at the moment of truth. There they go. And then all hell breaks loose. They start banging on that door and Ashley Babbitt is shot a few moments later. Some of this stuff, by the way, was just idiotic. I mean, flat out idiotic. We're having a primetime hearing to listen to this woman complain about cold weather. I had been called names before, but never had my patriotism or duty been called into question. I, who got up every day, no matter how early the hour or how late I got in the night before, to put on my uniform and to protect America's symbol of democracy. I, who spent countless hours in the baking sun and freezing snow to make sure that America's elected officials were able to do their job. I, whose literal blood, sweat, and tears were shed that day defending the building that I spent countless holidays and weekends working in. It's called the job. It's called the job. Getting back to Ashley Babbitt. Can you believe they had these hearings and they did not talk about Ashley Babbitt herself, right? An unarmed woman shot and killed by a Capitol Hill police officer who actually received a medal along with all the other Capitol cops who failed miserably that day. His name is Michael Byrd, and he's pretty smug about what he did. When you fired, what could you see? Where were you aiming? You're taught to aim for center mass. Uh, The subject was sideways, and I could not see her full motion of her hands or anything. Um, So I guess her movement, you know, caused the uh, discharge to to fall where it did. And what did you think this individual was doing at at that moment? She was posing a threat. She was not posing a threat. I get a real Forrest Gump vibe from this guy. He shot an unarmed woman, and they gave him a medal. This country is in a very bad, bad place. But it's going to get better. I am convinced. Hey, when we come back, we're going to meet a genuine gold star father, somebody who lost his son in battle. Joe Biden yesterday pretended that he was a gold star father. He lied about it. What does he feel about, what does he think about that, our next guest? Stay with us. You're looking at Staff Sergeant Taylor Hoover, the late, great Staff Sergeant Taylor Hoover. He was 31 years old when he was killed in that Kabul, Afghanistan attack uh, in August of 21. Remember that when we were getting out, Joe Biden totally, totally blew it. You may remember seeing the coffins come off the plane 
at uh, Dover Air Force Base. You may also remember the disrespect that President Biden showed, checking out his watch at that time. And then yesterday, yesterday I was really kind of shocked. Even for, even for Joe, it was bad. But we'll get to that in a moment. First, we'd like to see once again Darren Hoover, who's been with us before. He is the father of Taylor. And, sir, welcome back. Good to see you. And uh, we'll get to the Joe Biden aspect uh, in a moment. But first of all, how are you doing and how is your family? You know, we're we're all taking it day by day. It's it's been a struggle. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it can be minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day that we're not feeling some sort of uh, feelings that this could have been avoided, that we could still have our son and brother, uncle, grandson home. And he should be here. What was he like, sir? You know, he was, and every parent can say it, but I really can. The best kid. Um, With his size that he was all through school, growing up, he was always the anti-bully. He was always the the one to step up and be the helper uh, with his uh, mom and his two sisters, with me being gone, uh, doing my career in law enforcement. He was always the protector that stayed behind. Um, you know, you'd, we'd be anywhere, a store, a restaurant, on an airplane. It didn't matter. He'd strike up a conversation with anybody and he'd give them their his full attention. And friends, same way. Uh, just their full, his full undivided attention. And he was definitely one of one in a million. Sir, um, yesterday, Joe Biden was speaking, I believe, in Colorado. And he was going on and on and on about World War II. And he said something that was completely false about... Um, his family's history. Take a look. American soldiers of the 10th Mountain Division scaled that 1,800-foot cliff at night, caught the Germans by surprise, captured, captured key positions, and broke through the German defense line at a pivotal point in the war. Just imagine, I mean this sincerely, I say this as a father of a man who won the Bronze Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and lost his life in Iraq. Imagine the courage, the daring, and the genuine sacrifice. The genuine sacrifice lost his son in Iraq. He just said it. He said it out loud. That would make him a gold star father. He is not. His son, Bo, served honorably. He was a military lawyer, and he did deploy to Iraq, and that's very admirable. But he died years later of brain cancer in Delaware. Um, I am beside myself, and, sir, I, your reaction to the president's claim you know greg it it takes a special kind of person to be able to throughout his his public life uh, in order to plagiarize and lie and make that so easy and so uh, front and center that it becomes a, a habit if you will and i don't know that it was necessarily all that, uh, maybe some of the cognitive decline as well. 
But that that is absolutely inexcusable to try and take a a an event such as that and to claim that he was killed in Iraq when plainly we know that he was not. He was surrounded by his friends, his family. We didn't get that opportunity to say goodbye to our kids. We had no warning, no nothing. And for him to sit there, it just it's an aggravation beyond measure. I can't I, it just it floors me. I, I can't understand it. It's very unfortunate that we have a commander in chief that is clearly just not worthy of the position. I remember when those caskets came off the plane and his duty is to obviously honor them. And what did he do? He checked his watch and he tried to do it slyly. He tried to do it in a way that nobody would see, but we all saw. It was about the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen, quite frankly, in that kind of scenario. Um, Now, I will say this. uh, Sir, I'm sorry. No, I was just agreeing with you. Yes, it was. And it didn't happen just once. It happened every single time a, a casket came off of that transport plane every single time you were there you were a short distance away you did not want to speak to the president Uh, could you tell us why first and foremost because of the and he's claiming that it was the perfect exit from afghanistan to end the war i'm sorry but it was not perfect it was the furthest thing from it and out of respect for our son and out of disrespect for the men that ultimately made the decisions, we couldn't allow ourselves to even be in the same room as him. Uh, we didn't want him anywhere near us. Darren Hoover, we're so sorry, and we wish we had a commander-in-chief who was more respectful and didn't lie and didn't engage in a bit of stolen valor himself. Darren, uh, let's keep in touch. We'll have you back. Joining us from Utah tonight, by the way. Thank you, sir, very, very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. And we'll be right back. Thank you. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. So, the January 6th hearing. Hopefully the last one. Did they say the last one? But they went out with a bang. Uh, Liz Cheney issued a subpoena for former President Trump. Oh, yes. They were very grand about the whole thing. A subpoena. How big a deal is that? Uh, I don't know. And that's why we're bringing in one of our uh, heavyweights from the legal community, Joe DeGeneva, the former U.S. attorney for Washington, D.C., Newsmax contributor. Sir, welcome back. I think the whole thing is a farce. But just how serious uh, is a subpoena coming from this committee to Donald Trump? Well, at this point in this Soviet-style trial of proceedings, it is meaningless Uh, Presumably, there will be litigation over this. And by that, the end of that litigation, uh, this Congress will have ended and the committee will have gone out of existence and the subpoena will be a nullity. Uh, This was a a vacuous act 
by a group of people who have made an embarrassment of the process in the House of Representatives. And I must say, um, they really went out with a whimper. Uh, no one was watching, and with good reason. There was nothing to be seen during this hearing, especially the last one. They had Jamie Raskin, uh, the obnoxious congressman from Maryland, doing voiceovers of videos of witnesses. They had no live witnesses. So this was um, really a, an embarrassing finale to an embarrassing series of events. Totally, totally. And I, I'm sorry, I had a little trouble hearing you at the top. The subpoena is is meaningless. Does Trump, what does he have to do? Yes. What should he do? Well, he should, he should he, assuming they serve him the subpoena, uh, he will then move to quash it and go to court and say that uh, he's not going to appear for various reasons. There will be litigation and uh, the matter will end because this Congress will come to an end and the subpoena will lose all of its force and authority. Wow. All right. Hey, while you're here, can we ask you about this uh, report? I guess it came out from the trial that uh, the FBI at one point offered Christopher Steele, who put together that phony, ridiculous dossier, one million dollars if he could prove it, which <laughs> I mean, we always I knew the FBI was political, but I, I didn't know it was a full on political action committee. I mean, this sounds I what does it tell you about the FBI at this point? Well, it tells me that the FBI has reached a point where it has to be deconstructed uh, very carefully. It can't be done as long as Christopher Ray is the director, so we have to have a new director. Uh, during the new Congress, when the Republicans take over at least the House and hopefully the Senate, there need to be very, very serious oversight hearings. Uh, all of the individuals involved in all of these things need to be subpoenaed, not asked to come and testify. And that's, those subpoenas should be issued for the director as well. Uh, the million dollars offered to Christopher Steele was not only a bribe, but it was a bounty placed on the head of the president of the United States. The FBI has now sunk to basically the mafia level uh, where they put hit jobs out on public officials. And so it's time to reorganize them, separate them. And most importantly, uh, Greg, they want a new FBI headquarters somewhere in the suburban Washington metropolitan area. Congress should defund and refuse to build a new FBI building until that institution is reformed. Understood. Understood. Hey, I want to show you a headline. It's very shocking. Get ready. Trump aide was seen on security footage moving boxes at Mar-a-Lago, a major story in the New York Times. You know, everything in the world seems totally upside down right now. Uh, the media, the FBI, law enforcement, all of our institutions. And I know they've come after you. You have been abused by the justice system, and you were, you were part of it when it was good and righteous. How worried are you about overall our country, and do you think we're going to make it through this? Well, I'm very worried about the country. I'm very worried about the Department of Justice and the FBI. I've never seen it at a lower ebb. I never could imagine that Merrick Garland would become a political tool of the leftist Democratic Party and completely forget the importance of the DOJ as an institution. Um, I'm very worried. I think that's why it's very important that in this election, people get out and vote. They put Republicans in charge of the House and the Senate so we can have some counterbalance to the outrageous leftist policies of Joe Biden and the people around him. And I must say, after watching your interview of that wonderful gentleman whose son was killed 
with the exodus from Afghanistan. My heart breaks for that family. But after watching our president lie about his own son's death, my anger in me just swells at how we can be saddled with such a, a president at this point in history. Joe Biden is an embarrassment to the presidency and an embarrassment to this country. Look at him trying to extort the Saudis. Can you imagine the silliness of any president trying to do that at, in this day and age? It is incredible. Said something very important. Vote. We gotta vote. And it's coming uh, very, very soon. Joe DeGeneva, thank you, sir. Thank you very, very much. To be continued, and we'll be back. All I can, I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? So this is Senator Mike Lee, Republican of Utah. Great guy, great patriot, and uh, I like him a lot, don't you? When I'm not in Washington, D.C., get around and meet with people at different parts of the state to learn about what's concerning them. It's all right, I'm going to take some notes so that I don't forget the important topics that we cover tonight. We really appreciate the senator coming and listening to our concerns. And this is his opponent. He's up for re-election. His name is Evan McGregor. Looking at these circumstances, looking at Donald Trump's presidency, the, the history of the, the four years of that presidency, how it really all led to January 6th. And then to see that violent, that deadly insurrection happen that threatened our democracy. All of that just describes, of course, a party that is sick, that is rotten to the core. All right. Uh, I said McGregor. It's McMullen. McMullen. All right. So he's the uh, Dem no independent in Utah running. Guess who Mitt Romney is uh, endorsing? <laughs> well, so far, he's not picking a side. He says they're both good men, and he's not going to endorse anybody. How about that? Hmm? Here's a choice. I know he probably doesn't like Mike Lee or whatever. It's personal, okay? But our whole country is hanging in the balance. And this uh, McMullen guy, he's going to let him get there? He could help Mike Lee, and he's not. Reminds me of all the things I don't like about Mitt. You said in the Rose Garden, the day after the attack, it was an act of terror. It was not a spontaneous demonstration. Is that what you're saying? Please proceed, Governor. I, I, I want to make sure we get that for the record, because it took the president 14 days before he called the attack in Benghazi an act of terror. Get the transcript. It, 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 he did, in, in fact, sir. So let me let me call it an act of Can terror. Can you say that a little louder, Candy? He, he did call it an act of terror. It did as well take... It did as well uh, take uh, two weeks or so uh, for the whole idea of there being a riot out there about this tape uh, to come out. You're correct this, about that. Mitt Romney got owned by Candy Crowley. He did. He lost. He lost the election because, quite frankly, he's a bit of a loser. I just can't believe you're going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think you say in a concession speech? By the way, someone have a number for the president? I do. Okay. okay. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. 
Losing came just a little bit too easy. He was just a little bit too good at it and even too gracious. I have just called President Obama to congratulate him on his victory. His supporters and his campaign also deserve congratulations. I wish all of them well, but particularly the president, the first lady, and their daughters. This is a time of great challenges for America, and I pray that the president will be successful in guiding our nation. A shout out to the daughters as well, Malia and Sasha. Again, he was too good at losing. And remember how he tried to suck up to Donald Trump at one point to become the Secretary of State. Um, after all those horrible things he said, he did everything he could to undermine Trump during the campaign. Didn't want him to win. Think of Donald Trump's personal qualities. The bullying, the greed, the showing off. Let's focus on the greed and the showing off, Mitt. I think you know a lot about that stuff, actually. Back when you were a Gordon Gecko-type guy at Bain Capital, uh, you were very much about conspicuous consumption. There's Mitt. There's Mitt with his buddies. See how they're playing with $100 bills? And Mitt's pretty proud of his. Oh, yeah, Mitt Romney. That looks pretty greedy. That looks uh, like he's bragging. Don't you think? Who does that? Who does that? And now he won't back up Mike Lee, his colleague in the Senate for re-election. Loser and a phony. I'm sorry. I am sorry. All right. So Joe Biden, a couple of weeks ago when he announced that uh, crazily extravagant loan forgiveness, uh, and then he walked out in a huff. I'll get to that in a moment. The numbers are in from the Congressional Budget Office. It's actually going to cost about $426 billion. And what does that mean for the deficit? Yeah, $1.4 trillion. And Joe is actually getting away with this just by signing uh, an executive order. He gets to make this happen. It's not supposed to work that way. And nobody can even question him about it. Is this unfair to people who paid their student loans or chose not to take out loans? Is it fair to people who, in fact, uh, do not own multi-billion dollar businesses and see why these guys get them all a tax base? Is that fair? What do you think? What about people who paid their loans, so trouble? Nasty, nasty guy. Somehow that question was beneath him. Wrapping up. Uh, you know, Joe met with the Saudi Arabia leadership, right? Totally blew it. Uh, it looks like our whole alliance is now crumbling, thanks to Joe. Look at what the Saudis told us, though, about Joe's behavior, what actually went down. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, break it out. The government of the kingdom clarified through its continuous consultation with the U.S. administration that all economic analyses, oh boy, I think they write like this. This is a formal diplomatic talk indicate that postponing the OPEC decision for a month, according to what has been suggested, would have had negative economic consequences. Uh, all right. I think this is their way of saying Joe was desperate to have them wait to cut down the oil supply until after the midterms. Imagine talking to them about midterm elections. Please hold it off. What you're going to do, you can cut the oil, but after after the midterms. That's not a president. That's not presidential. Stay with us.
Thank you very, very much. And I'll be back tomorrow.